Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. If you have your Bibles, we are going to be in Romans chapter 8 as we are continuing in our teaching series. We've been in this teaching series for about three months. Next week is going to be our last uh, sermon in the book of Romans before we enter into the Christmas uh, Advent series that we're going to go through to the end of the year. And we've entitled the, uh, the series that we're in right now, Romans from Doctrine to Desire. And this morning I've entitled my message, How Can I Know, How Can I Know That I Really Belong uh, to Jesus. And that's because last week when we were in chapter 7, if you'll remember, chapter 7 is one of those chapters that shows the struggle of a true believer with sin. And a lot of times in our struggle, we can be filled with despair and questions. And uh, we can ask the question do I truly, looking at our lives, looking at the fruit of, of our lives, do I truly belong to Jesus? And so today we've come to one of the most treasured and encouraging chapters in all of the Bible, not just in the book of Romans, but in the entire Bible. Because one of the, the main uh, goals of this chapter is to give assurance to those who are in Christ, who might be questioning their salvation. So with that in mind, in honor of the Word of God, could we stand together as I read our passage from this morning. I'm going to begin with verse 1 of Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's just, you know, we can go home after that, right? I mean, that is the message. Now, that is the message of chapter 8. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus or for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And the question we're asking is, do, how do I know that I truly, really belong to Jesus? So let's go on. Verse two, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. How? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the requirements, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Notice how many times we're going to hear the word, the name spirit in this passage. Verse, we're going to jump all the way down to verse 8 now. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ, look at this, does not what? Belong to him. That's the question we're asking this morning. For all who are led by the Spirit of, of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, 
the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for this wonderful gift of being able to come together and to worship you in song and now in the, the preaching and the teaching of your word. Uh, Father, you know all things and you know those who are truly your children. And so this morning, I ask that those of us who are really yours, that you would bring clarity to us, you would bring an assurance to us, and you would bring encouragement to us. And those who are not yet yours... Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do your work and convince them of the truths of Jesus, bring them into the family of God. We pray that you would increase our understanding, increase our faith, that you would increase the family of God this morning. I pray these things in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you know, it's really hard to believe that we have entered into the the holiday season. It seems like uh, the globe goes around the sun for those of you who believe that that still happens. Uh, so I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, Christmas is, all, is almost upon us, right? And this is a, a season. I'll tell you all already, I got you now, right? So Christmas season is upon us, and Kelly and I have already begun to buy Christmas gifts for our grandchildren. And... Um, I bought one of my grandsons a drone. Now, let me, let me do something real quick. I've got to get this thing synced together, and I'm still learning how to use it, but uh, I want to show you. You've got you to get it. Okay, now it's synced together because it did not, uh, does not blink anymore. There's a radio transmission that connected this spirit. I mean, uh, this tr- transmission. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so I did not mean to do that. All right. Come here. All right, so this is, uh, my kids told me not to do this, but I didn't listen. All right, so I am controlling this, how? By this controller here, by just moving my hand. Now, I've noticed something about this is, notice how it drifts. I'm not doing anything. It drifts. So to get it back on course, I have to redirect it. Let me turn it around. Hold on. Now, what I'm going to try to do here is I'm going to try to land it back here. Oh, boy. Sorry, honey. All right, here we go. Hold on. All right. That's the end of that example there. Okay, so. All right, my hands are shaking from that. All right. As most of you know, drones have become very popular. They're very affordable. Um, there's so many of them now that they've had to make regulations, uh, flight regulations. Some of, some You have to have a pilot's license to fly some of these. Uh, this one not. But they also have parks that, that you can go and fly drones in. Now, listen to me. If, if I were to go to a park with this, with this drone and there were like 20 other drones being used out there, how would I know which one was mine? It's pretty simple. Whichever drone responded could be led by my controller would be mine, wouldn't it? It would show that that belonged to me. 
Uh, and it's because it's linked to the frequency of this controller. The other ones are not, but I would know which one belonged to me. I would know which one was mine because it would allow me to lead it. It would be led by my controller. Now, I think you know where I'm going with this, right? Let's bring this, this picture. This is a great picture of, of what it looks like to belong to Jesus. And by that, what I mean by that is just as I, um, like this drone, I can know that it belongs to me because it is led by and has the controller's spirit, the frequency, just like that, and this is my big idea for this morning, if you're taking notes, everyone who is led by, this is straight from the scripture this morning, everyone who is led by and who has the spirit of Christ belongs to him. Now, for those of you who are asking that question this morning, you're asking, I want to know if I truly belong to Jesus. I know that there's, a, there's at least three questions that we're going to need to answer this morning, and that's what I plan to do. There's three questions I want to look at. Number one, what does it mean to belong to Jesus? Number two, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? And number three, how can I know that the Spirit of Christ dwells within me. You guys tracking with me? Those are the three things I want us to be able to answer, you, you to be able to walk out of here this morning. You're either going to walk out of here going, yes, I am confident that I belong to Jesus, or no, I do not belong to Jesus. But I want everyone to have the opportunity who wants to belong to Jesus, who desires to belong to Jesus, to be able to belong to Jesus before you walk out of here. If that's your desire, I want you to know that that is Jesus's desire for you to be able to walk out of here knowing that you belong to him. So if you're taking notes, let's begin with the first question. What does it mean to belong to Jesus? Um, <clears throat> at the beginning of this letter in, of Romans, Paul uh, very clearly tells us that there was a time that we belonged to God in the very beginning. We, we belong to God, but through Adam, and also who was the first human being, but, but also through our own actions, we showed that we agreed with Adam. Through Adam, we decided that we no longer wanted to belong to him. Uh, we, we decided that we did not want God to have ownership of us, and in, in one sense, we took the controller out of God's hand, in one sense, and said, you know what, we'll just fly ourselves. We don't need you to, 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 to be in control of us. And so what happened? The drone crashed, didn't it? And, and a lot of uh, destruction has, ha has happened since there. Death, destruction, despair, and God's wrath and condemnation have come down upon us, rightly so, because he is just. But you know what? Praise God that that is not the end of the story, is it? This is something we talk about every single week. Although we separated ourselves from God, although we did not want to belong to God, the good news is that God was not okay with that. He was not okay with that. And so he executed a plan that he had, before the he had in place before, in his mind, before the foundations of the world. And that is, his plan was to rescue a people who do not initially want to be rescued. And he did this, Romans, well, actually, Romans 5 says that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, while we were still hostile to him, 
he executed his plan. And as you know, if you've been with us, uh, Romans is saturated with his plan, isn't it? He goes over it over and over and over. Why? Because we need to hear this plan over and over. And if you were paying attention during our time that we were reading the scripture, you heard the plan. It started in verse 3. Let's look at verse 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Just as a, as a uh, refresher, a reminder, what could the law, the perfect and good law, not do? It could not bring us back to God. It could not make us belong to God. It could not make us right. All it did was show us how far and separated we were from God. So God did what the law could not do through a three-step process. Number one, by sending his own son. Notice that word, own. His own son. Um, parents, we get this, don't we? I want you to think about your child uh, on a good day. Think about your child or when they're asleep. What is it about when your child is asleep? You're like, oh, they are, how could, they are so sweet. There's nothing they could ever do wrong. Then they wake up. But think about your child. Your child is the apple of your eye, right? Uh, you would die for them. Actually, you die for them on a daily basis. We lay down our lives for our children all the time. And God is no different. When, when God sent his own son, he didn't send somebody else's, he sent his own son, he sent his very heart. He sent his life to us. Number two, it says that he sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Now, a couple of things here. Number one, it's saying that Jesus, his son, became man. Now, I want to say, ex express what that does not mean. It does not mean that uh, Jesus kind of like ceased to be, to be God. It, it does not mean also that he became 50% God and 50% man. What it means is that Jesus took on flesh or he added humanity to his deity, which means he was 100% God, is 100% God, and is 100% man. I don't totally get that, but I know that's what the scriptures teach, and I know it's true. Number two, so number one, it's important to understand that Jesus became a man. Number two, it's, under, it's important to understand that Paul intentionally uses that word in the likeness, the word likeness. Notice that he doesn't say in the, in the likeness of flesh, um, which would imply that Jesus wasn't really a human being, that he was like a human. Uh, he also, he, he says, um, in the likeness of sinful flesh. And that word likeness is, is given to us to signify that the flesh that Jesus took on was perfect, that it was sinless. Uh, it, what, it had to be sinless, didn't it? Why? For we needed a perfect sacrifice for our sins. A man had to be put to death. A human had to be put to death for a human, right? And the human had to be perfect. That's what God sent. His own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Number three, this is the third part. And for sin, 
He condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, Jesus was judged. Um, He was punished. He was put to death for our sins. Not his sins. He was perfect. Our sins were laid on him. Why? Verse 4 says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. He did what the law could not do. He lived perfectly and died in our place so that our punishment would be fulfilled through him and our righteousness would be given by him to us so that we could return, not just so we could go to heaven, okay, so that we could return again and belong to God. God is the one that makes heaven heaven. So this brings us to the second question. What does it mean to belong to Jesus? Well, here's what it means. It means that at some point, if you belong to Jesus, listen, if you belong to Jesus, at some point in your life, you came to a point where you said, you know what? I don't belong to Jesus. You had to realize I don't belong to him because of my rebellion, because of my sin. Okay? Ask yourself, have you ever come to a place in your life like that? And my sin separated me from God. I, did, I, I didn't belong to him. But then you heard the good news. Not, not mainly, do you want to go to heaven when you die? That's not the good news. The good news is that God wants to bring you back to himself. You heard that, and something inside of you said, yes, I want that, and you believed in what Christ Jesus did for you on the cross. You believed that he lived perfectly, did what you could not do, and that he wanted to give you his righteousness if you would believe. And you said, yes, I want that. I want to belong to him. You believed in Jesus. You received him. Scripture says you received him um, not just with your mind, but also with your heart. From doctrine to desire. You believed with him with your total being. And as we've seen in the past few chapters, it it means that you died to sin. You died to the law, to the law, so that you could be uh, belong to Jesus, like a husband and a wife belong to one another. In other words, you took the controls and handed them back to God. And you know, here's where the rub comes in. Okay, well, before I get to the rub, I want to ask you this. What I just shared, and I want you to ask yourself, have I believed like that? Okay? Because the question we're asking is how can I know that I truly believe with, belong to Jesus? And here's where the rub come in, comes in. Because we've already read that God um, wants us to have assurance of our salvation. I don't know if you picked that up, but in verse 15, it, it says that he did not give us a... Um, a spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear. But you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You received a spirit that causes you to call him Dad, Father. And it says in verse 16 that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit is telling you if you are a child of God. 
He's bearing witness. He's agreeing with you. You are a child of God. And you know, if you came to Jesus with what, the way that I just explained, there was a point where you experienced his unconditional love. You experienced his cleansing forgiveness. You had fellowship and the Holy Spirit was saying, you are a child of God. You knew you were a child of God in that moment. And, um, but right now, this morning, you might be like, Okay, that was then, but right now I'm tempted with fear. I don't know that I'm really a child of God. And, and here's where that rub comes in. It's because, did you notice that when someone comes to Christ, usually they don't die and go to heaven? Usually, I mean, I don't think most people would like come to Christ uh, if that happened. But you usually, most people don't die right away. You stay here, and as you stay here, you walk in this world, and as you walk in this world, your feet get dirty. Jesus talks about this at the, in, um, I think it's John 13, where he's washing his disciples' feet. He says, you're clean all over, but as you walk in this world, your feet get dirty. And what happens is as they, they get muddied and they get soiled with our sin and our uh, decisions that we make and, and things that are wrong, we look down at our feet and we say, these feet really don't look like Jesus I don't think he's going to let me into the house with my feet looking like this. And so you're tempted to go and try to clean them some way or just stay outside because you don't think you deserve to come into the house. And, you know, the truth is you don't, but the door is open for us to come in and have Jesus wash our, our feet. That's the rub. Because of our sin, we go, I don't. How could a believer live like this, be like this? But let me be clear of what Scripture teaches this morning. That if you believe in Jesus with your mind, with your heart, you belong to him, period. That's what Scripture teaches, if you believe. And so that leads to a question that goes, okay, then why am I not finding victory? Why am I not finding victory in my life? And I'm going to tell you uh, one of the reasons. There might be several reasons, but one of them is, is one word is forgetfulness. Now, that's a word that uh, I tell our church a lot of times. You know, we are a what? Okay, you remembered this time. We are forgetful people, but we tend to forget that we are forgetful. Okay? We are forgetful. And in this case, we are a forgetful people of a truth that the Holy Spirit dwells within those who belong to Jesus. We forget that. Um, and this is where I want to answer our second question. Um, how can I know that the Spirit of Christ dwells within me? How can I know that the, the Spirit of Christ dwells within me? And, you know, all throughout Paul's teachings, um, not just in the book of Romans, but all throughout his letters. He has this four-word phrase. It's a question. He says, do you not know? Are you familiar with that? Do you not know? And, and that word, do you not know, you know what it means? It means this. I know you already know what I'm about to say, but it seems that you've forgotten, so I'm going to remind you of what you know already. Okay, so that's what it's, don't you know? That's what he's saying there. Um, Romans 6, he said that, if you remember, he said, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
another time that he uses this phrase is in another letter in 1 Corinthians 6. And it's when Paul is warning the church in Corinth. He's, he's warning them against sexual immorality, about uniting yourself with someone in sexual intimacy outside of marriage of, that's ordained by God. And in verse 19, he says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of who? The Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You see that? Why do we have the Holy Spirit? Because God has given us the Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit dwell? Within the believer. And then he says, you are not your own. You don't belong to yourself. This isn't just in Romans. It's in other places. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to God. Verse 20, for you were bought with a price. There's the gospel. Jesus bought you with his blood, right? He purchased you. Why? So, um, so that you'll glorify God in your body, so that you'll present your members to God to live righteously. Now, Paul doesn't explicitly say, do you not know in the passage that we're in today, but I'm going to say it. Do you not know? And I know you know that when you came to Christ, you were given the Holy Spirit immediately. There's no second uh, baptism that you needed to receive the Holy Spirit. In verse 9, it says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now, I want to stop here and look at, look at something that, that's um, it's kind of a side note to what, what I'm getting at this morning. But I want you to see, notice it says the Spirit of God, and then it says Spirit of Christ. These are the same person, aren't they? So this is pointing to Jesus' deity, right? Also, when it says the Spirit of Christ, this is talking about the Holy Spirit. So that's another way that's re- now, re- that it refers to the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not the Holy Spirit, though. God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But Paul speaks of the Holy Spirit in the, in the terms of the Spirit of Christ. All right, let's keep going. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, if Christ is in you in the person of the Holy Spirit, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, although in chapter 7, we can relate to the guy, the man in in chapter 7, O wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Although we can relate to him, listen, church, I hope you don't think that we're teaching that that's how your life should be identified. That's not what Paul is getting at here. Our life as believers should be identified by chapter 8, the chapter that we are in right now. Um, God wants us to live. And this chapter, this is the first chapter where the Holy Spirit is really talked about. I think it's like five or six times up to chapter 8. Chapter 8, it's like 20 plus times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in here. When, when, the, when, uh, when you're reading your Bibles 
and you see something repeated, understand there's an emphasis being made here. And we're talking about life. The question I'm answering right now is, why am I not finding victory? I said it's because you've forgotten, and I have often forgotten, that the Holy Spirit is living within me to produce this life in me. This chapter, and I can't wait uh, next week uh, for Pastor Terry to get to the end of it, because it is so encouraging how much God wants to keep us. He wants us to keep us more than we want to be kept, I think. I mean, he chased us. We didn't chase him. Um, And the Holy Spirit is there to give us rock-solid confidence, knowing that nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right, so let me go back to the question, the big question I'm asking. How can I know if the Spirit of Christ dwells within me? That's, That's the question that uh, I want us to answer right now. So I've got three questions under this question, and these are diagnostic questions that I want you to ask yourself as I um, give them to you. Number one, do you believe in Jesus? All right, do you believe in Jesus? Now I'm gonna give you some questions under that question to see if you believe in the Jesus I'm talking about. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, God in the flesh? You answer that question to yourself. Number two, do you believe that the uncreated creator, that he is the uncreated creator who sustains the universe by the word of his power? That's Hebrews chapter two, uh, chapter one. Do you believe that he lived among us as a man, as God, as man, perfectly, sinlessly, selflessly? Do you believe that he was punished and absorbed the wrath of God for your sin, for the sins of the world, so that you could return to God in Jesus' righteousness? Do you believe that he rose from the dead on the third day in a glorified body, a true resurrection of his body? Do you believe that after he rose from the dead that he appeared to his apostles and uh, 500-some, and then ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Do you believe that? And number, last one. Do you believe that he is returning to bring judgment to those who have rejected him, who don't want to belong to him, and salvation to those who have trusted in him and are eagerly waiting for him? Now, If you truly believe these truths that I just shared, I want to remind you of something. And that is, flesh and blood did not reveal these things to you. You believe these things because the Holy Spirit has revealed them to you and he has convinced you of these truths. And this is a fruit of him dwelling within you. I want you to see that. Second question I want us to ask here is what do you hate? What do you hate? Do you, and big question under that is do you hate sin? Um, Do you grieve and hate that you still sin? Like in chapter seven, oh wretched man that I am. Do you grieve that you sin against others who God has created? Do you grieve that you sin against God? 
In other words, do you hate that you sin? Do you hate that you do things that are, that are opposed to God? Number three, what do you love? So what do you hate? What do you love? Do you love what God loves? Do you, do you love God's people? Um, and what I mean by that is do you uh, desire to have fellowship and to serve and to serve alongside of God's people? <clears throat> do you have more in common with God's people than those who are not God's people? A good example of that is me and, and, and Terry. I didn't ask him if I could do this, but hey, he can get me later. His testimony, actually, I think you've told the church this. His testimony is that when he first met me, he didn't like me. Amen? Amen. Okay. I bear witness to that. I didn't know that till like years later. But I was like, man, who else doesn't? Anyway, don't raise your hand. The thing I, about me and Terry is, if you know us, you know that we are very different, right? I mean, in just so many different ways. Things we like and the way we think. And, but we have Jesus in common. I mean, we have Christ at the very center of our fellowship, our relationship. And so my bond with him is stronger than some of my blood relatives. We're so different. We wouldn't have hung out together in high school, although we went to the greatest high school in the area, okay? But we, we would not have uh, hung out together. But in Christ, I love him. I have more in common with him than I do someone that's my blood relative that does not accept Christ. Um, so do you love God's people? And then do you love God's word? Do you love his word? Do you love his law? In other words, one of, one of the proofs is that you enjoy coming to, to uh, be with his people and to hear the word of God preached. You're not like, when is this going to get over? You know, you're like, man, keep, keep teaching me the word of God. I want to grow. I want to, uh, to understand more of God's word and his law. Man, I don't always do what the law says, but I like it. It's good. It's perfect. Those are some questions. What do you love? Last one, do you ever question your salvation? Now, this is one you might go, well, huh, no, I don't question my salvation. I know that I know that I know. I nailed it. You know, that there is a healthy way, I believe, that believers can question their salvation or to ask, am I really the real deal? I think that Scripture actually teaches that, to examine yourselves. That's what, you know, that's what we're doing right now. We're examining ourselves to see if we are of the, of the faith. First, Second Corinthians 13, 15 says, Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the tests. Do you ever question your salvation? And I'm not saying in a place of, that leaves you in despair, that, but that brings you to a place of like, okay, I'm going to go through the scriptures and see what, what the fruit looks like in a believer. That's what I'm talking about, to help confirm your faith. So all these questions I just asked, do you believe in Jesus? What do you hate? Uh, what do you love? Do you ever question your salvation? If the answer to these questions is no, and I don't care, I really, uh, it doesn't really bother me, I would strongly encourage you to question your salvation. I would, I would really encourage you to question, does the, uh, do you belong to Jesus? Um, now, if your answer is no, uh, you know, on some of these I have to say no right now, but I want them to be true of me. 
If that is your answer, I want to encourage you that that is the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in you right now. He is, he's, wanting to, he's convinced you that these things are good and wants to lead you uh, in, in order to bring you to obedience in these things through Christ. Now, if your answer is no, it could be that you aren't yet Jesus's, but you're very close because you desire, you're wanting him, okay? Secondly, it could mean that you already belong to him, but you're not allowing, listen to this, you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. And that's our, our, our last question. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? <clears throat> Verse 12 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit of God? Well, this, this letter was clearly written to true believers in the church of Rome. And so Paul is expressing to, to true believers, listen, you have a choice now. You didn't before you came to Christ, but now you do. You can either be led by your flesh or you can be led by the Spirit of God. And if you're led by the flesh, it's, you're going to experience death. If, you, if you're led by the Spirit, you're going to experience life. The point I'm making here is that you can belong to Jesus. You can have his spirit dwelling within you and still live with a cloud of depression and anxiety hanging over you. You still can be one of his children. And this is because sometimes it's because you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. Now, let me stop before we keep going forward in this because I want to make... Uh, bring some clarity here. I am not saying that everybody who experiences depression and anxiety is experiencing it because they're not following the Holy Spirit. Um, there's various reasons that you, you might be feeling that or experiencing that. It could be your diet. It could be because of uh, needing to exercise. Seasonal changes, something I deal with. Uh, chemical imbalances, things that are out of your control. So don't hear what I'm not saying. But I, I do believe that many of our issues within the church stem from us not being led by the Spirit. Um, so, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Now, it might surprise you that that term, led by the Spirit, is only in Scripture twice. It's here in Romans 8, and it's also in Galatians 5.18, and in both contexts. Being led by the Spirit does not mean, it's not like, it doesn't mean you fall on the floor in convulsions, out of control. It's not some emotional euphoria. It's not even, listen, it's not even being led by the Spirit in making decisions. You know, what job should I take? What school should, should I marry this person? What school should I go to? That's not what it's talking about when it talks about being led by the, by the Spirit. What it, in the immediate context of being led by the Spirit is, it's talking about the believer's battle with the flesh. Verse 13 says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, so I'm going to make it, I'm going to try to make it as clear as I can. What it means to be led by the Spirit means that you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into truth 
which leads to righteous living empowered by him, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. To be led by the Holy Spirit means that you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you into truth, which leads you to righteous living that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to give you a clear example of this in your own life if you're in Christ. Um, If you believe in Jesus, you know why you believe in Jesus? Because you allowed the Holy Spirit to lead you into truth. You allowed the Holy Spirit to lead you to Christ. You didn't come up with this on your own. The Holy Spirit led you to the truth, and then you had the choice. He didn't force you to believe or not to believe, to receive or to reject. If you believe in Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit, you allowed the Holy Spirit to lead you to Christ. And you know, at, at times, all, all uh, believers drift. All of us drift. Just like this drone, you know, and I'm not going to turn it back on, but just like this drone drifts off the, off the pathway, all of us, like uh, this drone, can drift. All of us. Um, it's, it's usually gradual. Um, it's usually unintentional, um, and it, it, it's this kind of uh, state that you get in where you're l- kind of lukewarm about the things of God. Um, you're, you're, apath- you're in an apathetic state about the things of God, about God's people, about his word. You, you, you feel like you're coasting, but really you're going backwards. But it's one of those things where um, you, you're distracted by other pursuits in this world, um, and so you, you drift, and what happens, here's what happens to the true believer. And this has happened to me enough times in my life for me to realize, okay, this is, this is how good our God is. Um, for the true believer, the Holy Spirit comes to us, and, and he says, hey, you're, you're, you're going in the wrong direction. And he kind of gives a little tap on, to wake us up. And he awakens you. He, he wants you to... Uh, to respond. He, he, he wants to bring you back uh, to the truth. Uh, he wants to guide you. He wants to empower you. Um, and you know what's interesting about this little unit? There's this button on here called stop button. That if this thing will not respond to me, you press stop and it just goes down to the ground. He ground it grounds, you can ground it. Sometimes <laughs> if we're not going to listen to God, he's a good dad, isn't he? And he's going he's gonna to put us down. He will get your attention if you're his child. He wants us to respond to the little taps. But if you don't, he's good. He, he's good. And, um, you know, uh, if you're a true believer, you're going to struggle. Sometimes you're going to fall. Um, but the thing that's different about you and someone who's not does not belong to Jesus is that you're never fully comfortable living in your sin and you always get back up. In other words, you're going to persevere. Uh, and that's because Jesus has like, a, I like to picture it as like this hook that is stuck in you, in your heart. Um, and it's so deep in your heart, he is not going to let you go. And here's why. Because you belong to him. You belong to him. And I know that there's some here this morning that, struggle with this uh, fear and despair, and 
you know, I don't want to crush anyone in here. Uh, you look at your life and everything I just said, you said, I believe and, and I, I know that this is true of me. But when you examine your life, you, you just go, I don't know if there's enough fruit to prove that Christ, uh, that I belong to, to Christ. And let me just give you this, this one word, if that's you. I want you to know that those who don't belong to Jesus don't care that way. They are not concerned. They don't feel that despair of not belonging to Jesus. So even that, even your fear and your despair can be a proof that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. I want to encourage you, if that's you, to be encouraged, but don't stay there. Move forward and respond to his voice, which leads to just the final question this morning is this. How is Jesus calling you to respond this morning? I began asking the question, um, how do you know if you really belong to Jesus? What, what's your answer? What did you come down with? Now, this morning, maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning and you said, you know what, if the truth is be known, um, if I'm really honest, the answer is no. I know I don't belong to Jesus. But, but I want to. There's something in me that wants to belong to Jesus. What do I need to do? Tell him that. Cry out to Christ. Um, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. Say, Lord, I, I understand I am separated from you, that I don't belong to you, but I want to, and I believe what you did for me. I believe you love me. Ask him to save you. He will. That's the first thing, if you don't belong to him. Secondly, maybe you've, you've, you've been listening to this and you, you're thinking, I thought I belonged to Jesus. But when I've gone through that list, I realize I don't. But I want to. What do you need to do? Tell him. <laughs> tell Jesus what the first person needs to tell Jesus. Tell him, Lord, thank you for opening my eyes. I want, to, I want to come to you. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to, to give my life to you today, right now, before I leave this morning. I want to encourage you to, to respond to Jesus. <clears throat> Lastly, there's a group of us here this morning. You're saying, yes, uh, I know I belong to Jesus, but if I'm really honest, I've been drifting. Um, I've been distracted. Um, I'm, I'm not um, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me. I know I'm not going to go any further till I deal with what he's dealing with, with me now, what do I need to do? Tell him. Confess that to Christ. He knows it. He's the one that's brought you to that point to see that. That's the Holy Spirit, again, working in your life. You should be encouraged by that if you're feeling the conviction and, and encouragement of Christ. Listen, whatever God is calling you to do this morning, I want to encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to, leave, to lead you Believing in Jesus, knowing that the spirit of him, listen, who raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you or wants to dwell in you. And he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen? Amen.